feel, I can't tell you how frustrating it is right now, stuck in D.C. because they want to quick pass this uh, bipartisan infrastructure bill that uh, the Wall Street Journal now termed the, the, the New Deal Part 1, the Green New Deal Part 1, putting us on a path to your total climate control planning. And, and we've got you know, at least 17 Republican senators that voted to proceed to this bill, and I'm afraid they may join the Democrats in actually passing this behemoth. I'm Bill Fian with another edition of Fact Check. So today it's a big show. Excited for our guest, elected to the United States Senate in November of 2010 in a Republican wave election that saw Republicans gain 63 seats in the U.S. House and six seats in the U.S. Senate. The same year, Wisconsin elected Governor Scott Walker and Republican majorities in the State Assembly and State Senate. In July of 1979, Ron and Jane moved to Oshkosh to start a business with Jane's brother. The company Packer began producing plastic sheet for packaging and printing applications. From operating the equipment to keeping the company books and selling its products, our guest today has been involved in every function of the business. In this body of experience and the private sector perspective, that he now brings to the state Senate. Please welcome Senator Ron Johnson. Hello, Jen. Hello, Bill. Hope you're doing well. I had the pleasure of hearing you speak at the Republican State Convention in June, and I was really touched by the moving tribute that you made to Pastor Jerome Smith, who had recently passed. Uh, He founded the Joseph Project in Milwaukee. Can you tell us a little bit about the Joseph Project and your involvement with that organization? Sure, that, that was really, it was pretty much his and Orlando Owens' uh, brainchild. Uh, but it somewhat sprung out of what I've been talking about with my staff as I traveled around the state of Wisconsin, and not one manufacturer, very few employers could hire enough people, and yet you had these high levels of unemployment in places like inner city Milwaukee. So we, we all kept racking our brains, I mean, what can we do to make the connection between those people who truly want to commit themselves to success in life with all these opportunities out there, and, and I guess I I preached enough that uh, when when Orlando met Pastor Smith, and then they engaged with the Sheboygan Economic Development Committee, realized there were about four thousand jobs in Sheboygan, and so we we developed a, a four day training session, just three hours a day, where we really instilled just the importance of of the right kind of attitude uh, and committing yourself to success, and then we set up a train them on how to interview and set up real interviews on the Friday of that week. And it's really been very successful at transforming people's lives one person at a time. That's a great story because it shows how private sector and individuals have looked at a problem and have found a way to solve it. We don't always have to look to the government to provide solutions to these problems. And I would argue that it's private citizens who generally come up with the best solutions. It wouldn't surprise me that I completely agree with you. Uh, government just seems to exacerbate problems while they're mortgaging our children's future. It re- really is individuals working with other people. And, and again, y- you save souls, you transform lives one person at a time. It's a great story. And I know that uh, you were moved by the passing of Pastor Smith. And the other thing that you spoke about that day was the need for citizens to run for local offices. Why, in your view, is it so important that people run for school boards and county boards and municipal government? Blunder on the part of conservatives. And and it's understandable. As as the federal government grew, going way outside the bounds of the enumerated powers and started exerting more control over our lives and over our economy, 
we started focusing on what we could do to, to limit the federal government's growth. And we took the, our eye off the ball in terms of local government, which if you really think of the foundational premise of this nation, it's, it's government close to government. And even today, even with this massive federal government, you know, so much of our lives really is influenced by local government. You know, what curriculum is being taught in our schools? Well, that's pretty well controlled by our school board. Uh, and, and as a result of you know, conservatives focusing on the federal government, we, we, we allowed radical leftists to, to move in and take control of city councils and county boards and, and school boards. And they, they've done a pretty good job at uh, taking control. And that's why you see that critical race theory, which has really been pervasively uh, infused into so many of our institutions, including education, we're, we're finally waking up to it. And it's, it's frightening how, how integral it already has become, uh, even to the point where uh, when leftists figure out that the American public doesn't really like it, they go, oh, well, we're not doing that. Well, of course you are. We didn't name it. You did. Um, so, again, it's so important that, that as conservatives, we understand that it's local government government close to government where it's more efficient, it's more effective, it's more accountable. Uh, and it's so important in terms of influence over our lives that we wake up to the importance of, of running for those local offices. And you know, one thing I said in my first Tea Party speech on April 15, 2010, on the steps of the Madison Capitol there, is I said, you know, for a liberal, serving in any elected position, it's a lifelong ambition. For conservatives, we really just want government to stay off our backs. We don't really want anything to do with government. Um, and that's an enormous disadvantage in the political realm. Well, we can't ignore local government anymore, state government. We need to get fully engaged, take back our culture, uh, really regain our freedoms. I, I agree with that. And as I look at what's happening here in La Crosse County in western Wisconsin, what I see is people with extreme views that are moving towards undermining law enforcement in particular. We see here in the city of La Crosse, the La Crosse School District, which actually encompasses about two-thirds of La Crosse County, that they're moving along in a plan to remove school resource officers from the La Crosse School District. They're going from five officers to three officers in this coming school year. So it's super important that we find people that understand we do need those officers in the school. They teach the D.A.R.E. program. They also provide security. It was just a couple years ago that the state government spent $100 million on improving school security. People have to realize that removing school resource officers from our schools doesn't improve security. So I think that we're coming up on a defining election next year. I believe it's going to begin with these spring elections. From my perspective, I see lots of people that are excited, and I believe we're going to have lots of people running for these local offices. And I appreciate the fact that you continue to express that view that it's important for conservative-minded people to stand up and to run for these offices and to stop the things that are undermining our culture, things like critical race theory, uh, the white privilege. We have the White Privilege Conference here in La Crosse in December of this year, and of course, we must support our law enforcement. I saw a post on your Facebook page dated August 8th, and the post said, it's costing taxpayers $3 million a day not to build the border wall, but Democrats in the U.S. Senate voted against your amendment to keep building what Americans have already paid for, 
which is 285 miles of border wall. Can, can you talk a little bit about that amendment and, and what's happening with the border? Sure. Well, the border is completely out of control. The uh, Biden administration is in a complete state of denial. You know, Kamala Harris went down to uh, Central America uh, looking in vain for the root cause. All she had to do was walk in the Oval Office, look at the president, and realize President Biden is the root cause of the current crisis on the border. He's the one that dismantled all the successful policies, policies that pretty well stemmed the flow of unaccompanied children, family units exploiting our immigration laws. And he also stopped building the wall, even though we've already bought and paid for it. So it's already cost us a couple billion dollars halting construction. It's costing us $3 million a day just kind of guarding the steel and all the other supplies there that are meant to build the wall. And, of course, we're experiencing over 7,000 people a day overwhelming Customs and Border Protection, basically turning themselves to be apprehended, while at the same time about 750 to 1,000 people are what they call known gotaways. We don't even know how many unknown gotaways we are. So we have just opened up our nation to drug trafficking, to sex trafficking, to all kinds of human depredations, and it's putting our cities and states at risk. You know, DHS doesn't notify cities and states when they you know, load up buses or you know, fly people into, uh, you know, fly people all over, all over the country. And by the way, people infected with COVID. So, so they're, they're laying on all these mandates now or recommending new mandates while at the same time, you know, tolerating, actually encouraging an open border, uh, an open border that's also letting people with, uh, with COVID in. It's, 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 it's hypocrisy. It's crazy. It's dangerous, but elections, elections have consequences and, this is pretty much what Joe Biden said he was going to do, and now we're seeing the disastrous consequences of his liberal, radical left policies. Senator, you've been speaking about the sorry state of the U.S. national debt and federal deficits since you first ran to be a U.S. senator. Is it too late to fix this problem, and what are some of the negative consequences of our debt and our deficits? No, it's, it's outright depressing. Uh, you know, when I first entered office, uh, I mean, our debt was about $14 trillion. Now it's more than double that. Um, it's, it's just frustrating to watch on a bipartisan basis, uh, politicians here in Washington, D.C., spending money we don't have, uh, money that uh, is going to place a burden on our kids and our grandkids. So it's enormously frustrating. We're, we're already seeing the impact of it. If you're a senior on fixed income, the reason you can't get a, a, a fair return on a, on a pretty safe investment is because the federal government's been keeping interest rates artificially low so they can finance this enormous debt burden. Uh, it also, you know, low interest rates also produce a gross misallocation capital. It's not good. So, you know, there's only two ways we, we get out from under this debt burden. It's, it's you either inflate your way out. I, I, I got a feeling that's probably what will end up happening because I, I don't see a desire of really cutting back spending. Or you try taxing your way out, and you just simply can't do it. I mean, the more you tax something, uh, the more you tax success, the less you'll get of it. It'll, it'll destroy our economy. Public will only put up with so much of their hard-earned money being taken away by government. But it's, it's completely out of control. I, I, Bill, I can't tell you how frustrating it is right now, stuck in D.C., because they want to quick pass this uh, bipartisan infrastructure bill that uh, the Wall Street Journal now termed uh, the, the New Deal Part one, the Green New Deal, part one, 
putting us on a path to your total climate control planning. And, and we've got, you know, at least 17 Republican senators that voted to proceed to this bill. And I'm afraid they may join the Democrats in actually passing this behemoth. It's just incredible to me that we would spend these vast amounts of money to fix problems with the climate that um, many people believe that the science just isn't there to support the, the, the ideas that are being put forth by the left, that this is some kind of global catastrophe. And as we do all of this in the United States, we look to places like China. I, I read that China is building something like 250 new coal fire electric plants a year. And the same thing's happening in other less industrialized nations. So as we sacrifice our economy to pursue, as the president said a couple of days ago, 50% electric vehicles, other countries around the world with whom we compete are, are now uh, building as many coal-fired electric plants as fast as they can. It's, it's really discouraging when you see what's happening. What do you think the uh, prospects are for the American people pushing back on this in next year's elections. These, these have really become defining elections for our state and our country. What do you see as you are traveling around and speaking to groups in Wisconsin? Well, people are highly concerned. You know, I, I got criticized when I just pointed out that uh, you know, when, when you want to fundamentally transform something, I mean, do you even like, much less love that thing? Um, and that's what President Obama, that's what President Biden has said. I can criticize saying that all Democrats don't like this country. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying they're electing leaders that apparently don't like or love this country because you don't like or love something you want to fundamentally transform. And so now they're elected, uh, now that they are brazenly you know, passing these trillion dollar deficit producing budgets and COVID relief packages and infrastructure bills. Uh, now they're imposing things like critical race theory in our schools and, and propagandizing and indoctrinating our children. You know, people are awakening to the urgency of the moment. That, that's a, a phrase I got out of Mark Levin's new book, uh, American Marxism. But it's true. I mean, we have to awaken to the urgency of this moment. This is a hinge point in history. You know, the left is in power right now, and they are rapidly putting us down the path, taking us down the path of social, socialism and Marxism. And it's a disastrous path. It has never worked. It won't work. The, the good news is we know what does work. It's, it's called freedom. It's called a limited government that is designed to prim primarily protect our freedom, combined with a, a properly regulated and competitively taxed free market competitive system. That works. It's, it's, it's what has created this marvel we call the American economy that's an envy of the world. Why does the left want to destroy it. But they do. They, again, for, for some reason, they've got this utopian socialist vision for America. And they've got to destroy uh, the capitalist system in order to implement it. And hopefully, hopefully, Americans are waking up to this reality and, and awakening to the urgency of the moment. And, 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 and don't forget who these people are. I mean, because we keep doing these cycles. You know, they get in, they, you know, Barack Obama takes and, you know, basically doubles the debt. And, it frightens people. They elect Republicans, and then they kind of forget, and they reelect another Democrat president. And we just keep running these cycles of uh, massive spending, massive debt creation. Now, let me say this, too. I'm expressing frustration with colleagues that are going to vote 
and help Democrats do that. That's part of the problem. But I will say, for people say, well, what's the difference between the two parties? It's an enormous difference. We may not be perfect, but the other side, the left, the Democrats are awful, and they are going to destroy this economy. They're going to further mortgage your kids' future to the extent that uh, this country won't even be recognizable. We're seeing it right now, Ryan Johnson. It's Marxism repackaged. When Karl Marx wrote his initial ideas, it was about the struggle between the bourgeoisie and the proletariat. Now they've, they've changed the story. Now it's become about race. The words are still the same. It's about oppressors and oppression. So, Senator, I'd like to thank you for your many years of service and your fight for what you believe and what I believe has made America great. Thanks for being on our show today. Do you have any closing thoughts for our audience? I do, because the one thing people need to recognize about the, the new socialist Marxists, the Democrat Party, is they are pushing division. This isn't what President Biden said in his inaugural. It's not about unifying and healing this nation. It's about dividing it. That is how they you know, tear down one system so they can create this supposed utopia. So in my speech at the RPW convention there, what, what I ask the, the audience to do is, let, let's not copy them. Let, let's not be like them. We need to be as relentless defending our freedom, fighting for our freedom as they are relentless in trying to take it away from us. But let, let's us adopt the mission of trying to unify and heal this nation and preserve it for our, for our kids and grandkids. This nation is something rare. It is something precious. We need to save it. It's our job. It's our solemn duty. God bless you, Senator Ron Johnson. Thanks for joining us on Fact Check today. Well, listen, appreciate your efforts, uh, all your efforts for, for the many years, and you know, just keep up the good work. God bless you. Take care. I'm Bill Fian, and this is another edition of Fact Check. Find us on Facebook at Fact Check WIZM or subscribe to our podcast wherever you subscribe to podcasts. 